Fantastic. And welcome to the Besides and On podcast. Awesome, awesome podcast today. This is yes. this is one of these, well, two of these subjects that are like, you end up just getting hundreds and hundreds of questions. Yes, I feel, I think this is the most questions I've ever had. Yes. I think second only, possibly it might have been the Dominatrix if we had asked for questions. Yeah, yeah. But we didn't. I think so, yes. And I think uh, that's the only one that would, would have got more. Aye. We did do it live though, that one. We did do it live, aye. Could have, could have been better. No, but aye. <laughs> okay, so we'll see what happens here. We have on the line, uh, and I'm going to ask straight up, um, how do we pronounce your name? Is it a... Uh, well, could you tell us, how do you pronounce your name? Yeah, uh, hi, I'm Antonio Maffei. Maffei, okay. So we usually have a bit of an issue with the Scottish accent. Um, things tend to sound a little bit different. So I was mm-hmm. going to say Maffei. Hey, that, that works too. That works too. Okay, perfect. Okay. This, this is a, a common thing we have with accents. Yeah. We had someone uh, named Fahi or Fa. Mm-hmm. Fa? Fahi? Oh, or, wow. Well, he said Fahi. But he just said Fe. Yeah. Because he was Australian. But we say Fahi. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's very. It's very dodgy sometimes with the accent. Really irritating. Really yes. irritating. Yeah. So we have you on. Uh, Basically, but, well, uh, for the sort of things you do in your uh, line of work. <laughs> Brilliant. <Bro. laughs> I may start that You're again. You're a professional. I may start that again. Mm-hmm. Start again. Okay. Uh, what, I'll, what I'll do is I'll do something different. Uh, if you could introduce yourself to the listeners, that would be perfect, Antonio, because I can't speak for some reason. No worries, no worries. I Excellent. have those days too. Okay, so could you introduce yourself? Just tell us about about your background and stuff. Yeah. Uh, hi, everyone. My name is Antonio Maffei. Uh, I live in beautiful San Francisco, California, here in the United States. Uh, I am a five-time published author working on my sixth book. Uh, I'm also a certified and verified uh, meteorologist by several uh, big United States organizations uh, out here. And then I'm also into uh, astronomy. I've uh, been studying weather for about 15 years now. Um, and in regards to astronomy, I've been studying that for, I would say, probably about 10, about 10 years now. Okay, so you're pretty, pretty well versed in both those, both those sciences. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So... Uh, for meteorology, uh, meteorology is the study of weather. It's the study of our atmosphere. Um, basically, you step outside and you see it's sunny, uh, but in the meantime, there's a lot more that's happening uh, above the surface, no pun intended. Um, but you see we have sometimes high pressure. We have low pressures. There's a whole bunch of different sciences that go into that. In regards to astronomy, Uh, You look up at the night sky, beautiful night sky, uh, and sometimes what you see is really just stars that have already died and whether they collapsed or a supernova. And um, you're just kind of looking up at the ghost of that star star because of the uh, amount of time it takes for that light to reach our planet. Mm -hmm. One of the interesting things on uh, meteorology for me is... (laughs) Yeah, I, I, I hear a lot, like when I'm watching like weather stations and stuff, when they talk about uh, high and low pressures and all that stuff. And I really have genuinely no idea what any of that means. Could you explain that in like some sort of layman's term for me? For me? Yeah, of course. Uh, so high pressure refers to kind of more of a uh, what ends up happening is with high pressure, it takes that warm air from the atmosphere and it sinks it down towards the surface. So that's why during high pressure events, it's typically more on the warmer side of things. Low pressure uh, usually brings some sort of disturbance. So whether that's storm, thunderstorms, uh, whatever that may be, that's what low pressure does. Um, It also can have the power to increase wind along with that storm. Uh, So I look kind of more on high pressures, more calm, Low pressure is more kind of the atmosphere is a little bit um, disturbed. Yeah, 
And what, what about uh, what about rain and stuff like that? How how do you, how do you able to tell? Like like actually, one question is how accurate is uh, is yeah. meteorology? Because that's one of the biggest things that uh, yeah. people keep mentioning. Yeah. So um, in regards to meteorology, it's pretty challenging, I would say. Yeah. Um, a lot of people nowadays they look uh, a lot at the weather app uh, on their iPhone or on their. Uh, on whatever they may have, or they watch uh, the TV weatherman. Um, but in regards to meteorology, uh, there's a lot of math involved, uh, which is a bit unfortunate because I'm not the biggest uh, math guy myself. Um, okay. There's a lot of calculus involved, um, and there's a lot of uh, physics. Physics is probably one of the biggest things in, in regards to meteorology. Mm-hmm. And when you tie all of that in together, it really creates this big kind of dynamic kind of mess of science and math. Um, so that, I would say meteorology is probably, uh, with all due respect to all the other sciences out there, probably one of the hardest sciences out there. Mm-hmm. Could you, um, so you mentioned you've worked for like different uh, weather stations and stuff. Could you um, go a bit further into detail on that? Can you please repeat that question? Sorry, yeah. Uh, could you go into a bit further detail on like the, the weather stations you've worked for? Yeah. So um, in regards to kind of the weather station uh, that I've been on, uh, with me living in the Bay Area, we have a very kind of boring climate. Um, but with regards to um, the weather stations I've been on, they've been very much um, kind of smaller weather stations. Uh, I've been on the Weather Channel, which is more kind of a bigger weather station here in the United States, uh, several times. But when you add all of it up, I began being on uh, weather stations, on the weather segments, I should say, for news channels back in about 2013, 2014. Um, Had a big on-air debut with KPIX5, which is our local uh, CBS news station here. Um, And you can actually go back and watch that clip. It's pretty awkward. I was 13 at the time. Um, 13. And, but yeah, I was 13 at the time. And then um, altogether, I've had probably about, been on TV, I would say probably about 330 times. Okay. That's a bit more than us. <laughs> I think that's 330 times more than us. Yeah, definitely, yeah. Wow. So, okay. so you're, doing, you're doing quite well. Just yeah, thank you. Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> what I didn't realize was that you don't actually like uh, the you were a weatherman. I didn't realize. I thought you were like behind the scenes meteorology, uh, but now we know. So that's cool. Yeah. So what? So are you sort of working behind the scenes a lot and then going straight like on air, <laughs> like straight from the office sort of thing? So. Uh, for me personally, what I kind of do is, um, especially uh, at the time of recording this, we have a pretty big storm uh, on the way to the Bay Area, and I'll be doing my first kind of on the field uh, reporting tonight with that storm system. Um, so what I like to do is you check the models, you kind of calculate everything together, um, and it's a, checking the models, the weather models, uh, take a lot of time out of your day. Um, usually, uh, because they update at different times. So for example, you might have one, uh, weather model that updates at seven o'clock in the morning and then the next one updates at 10 AM. So it takes up a lot of time throughout the day. Um, so what I do is I take a look at those weather models. I take a look at what is actually happening outside currently, take those current weather conditions, how they're going to change, what's going to change them, uh, kind of those, those, um, those W's what, when, where, why, um, how, how is the one H, um, take all that together, kind of mush it all up together. And then after that, I'll kind of give a quick weather broadcast. Um, and then that's pretty much it. You have to summarize hours of kind of work in about two minutes. Uh, and usually for me, I'm not very good at that. I usually go instead of two minutes, I go nine minutes, but, um, yeah, about two minutes, you have to summarize kind of everything that You've you've seen. Damn, I am so clueless. I had no idea that yeah. being the weatherman was so much. Well, that's we have. The, a... the, to be fair, the guy 
Your old local guy is a, a guy called Sean Barty. He does the the STV thing, yeah. it's Scottish Television. Okay, and uh, he he makes it so easy. Makes it completely easy. Yeah. I had absolutely. I, I what I assumed, and this is totally insulting to him now, which I I did not realize, <laughs> is that he had been told what happened, and then he just went and reported it. Yeah, I had. That's what I was going to ask as well. Yeah, like if that's what happened, sort of thing. That was my. Maybe it does here, but now I, now I feel like a bit of a dick, to be honest. <laughs> it's, it's just something we don't know. No, that's yeah. not as... So we have, we have a bunch of weather questions, but you have two sciences right. that um, you're knowledgeable in. So yeah. I'd like to move on a bit, because we've got a lot of questions from uh, fans that we've asked. Uh, so we're going to get to them at the end. So I don't want to sort of ruin those questions now, just by me asking them. So if we can move mm-hmm. to ast- astronomy for a second. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, part of why I got in touch was that I learned that astronomy and astrology used to be the same thing. And then there was a sudden divergence. Do you happen to know where that divergence happened and why? Yeah, uh, so astronomy is very much kind of the study of space. It's the study of stars, the study of our solar system, uh, the planets, uh, comets, whatever is out there. That's kind of what falls under the astronomy range. Um, Astrology is kind of what the ancient Greeks, uh, I believe it was the Greeks, they came up with uh, this kind of term where wherever the sun whatever constellation the sun was in at the time of your birth was going to be um, determined basically your entire life. Um, And I know astrology is very much on the rise, especially among um, younger generations. Um, You you see a lot of people, uh, I actually had an appointment yesterday, uh, a doctor's appointment, uh, first time meeting this new doctor. And she comes to me and she goes, yeah, so I'm a Pisces. Oh. And um, oh. it's like, okay, that, that's great. Um, but what basically it does is, um, so for example, um, I was born January 8th, uh, meaning I'm a Capricorn. So the Greeks took that and determined basically kind of how you would act throughout your entire life. Um, I actually have quite a few friends that are into uh, astrology uh, and um one of my other friends and I, we make fun of them all the time uh, because we'll, they'll be like, you know, I'm a Pisces. No wonder I had such a bad day. So we'll make fun of them um, during our like nightly calls and we'll just go, yeah, I'm a Capri Sun. So there's a reason that I act like that. Awesome. So my next question is kind of stupid then. Uh, how much credence do you give astrology? <laughs> I think I know the answer. So, um, in regards to astrology, uh, there's been kind of this kind of modern war, I guess I could say, uh, within the science community, because there's a lot of people out there uh, who are very much advocates for astrology. They're advocating, hey, it's a science, it's been proven, so on and so forth. However, more of the science uh, astronomy community has argued that they have yet to present any evidence against that, or I should say for that. so basically, uh, as of right now, there's no actual scientific proof or scientific evidence except for what you think um, that shows, hey, I am, my, the sun was in this constellation when I was born, therefore I act this certain way. There's, uh, at the moment, no scientific evidence to prove that. Yeah, I'm a huge fan of... Uh... People like Darren Brown over in the UK, or people like James Randi, who you may be more familiar with, and uh, they talk about horoscopes a lot, and they discuss the concept yeah. of Barnum statements. It seems to be just a, a whole bunch of different Barnum statements that try and uh, fit as many people as possible, just to make it seem like it's more credible than it is. Yeah, um, but it. Like I said, it's more of this like new modern warfare uh, within the scientific community where you have these big astrology advocates and these kind of um, 
a lot of them are they claim that they're psychics um they claim <laughs> yeah. that they can yep. see the future and so on and so forth um and at at the moment once again there there's no actual scientific uh proof as we, we're the, the, people that think along those lines and it's always weird that it always ties in in some way like they think that the the, <laughs> the moon's alignment in some way helps them to talk to dead people in some way and fucking I don't know how that all matches up in their heads yeah I just I don't I've never understood it yeah um I I know that um it's basically kind of there's uh so my dad is a firefighter and whenever he works on full moons he, he's always scared to death because he's like all the crazies are coming out tonight because it's a full moon yeah. um but at the moment, there's um, in regards to the moon, the moon does have uh, a lot of effect on uh, the planet regards into tides, uh, tidal forces. Uh, sometimes the moon has an effect. Uh, a new study came out recently, I believe just about a year, two years ago, uh, saying that the moon had an effect on rainfall totals. So oh. if it was a full moon, uh, you might get less rainfall than if it was like a new moon, for example. Um, so there's studies beginning to come out about the moon and how it affects with kind of human psychology. Um, so definitely if, if you're kind of into that sort of thing where in regards to the moon and it affecting human, uh, psychology, definitely keep an eye on that. Cause like I said, there's a few studies that are beginning to, uh, twi- uh, trickle out about that. Actually, that makes sense. Cause people argue that, uh, SAD exists, that a seasonal affective disorder. Uh, there's some claim mm-hmm. that doesn't exist. I don't. I have no idea whether it exists or not. Yeah. But that would make sense, even if it's just like a a placebo or like a negative placebo. They think the moon affects something, so it then affects something because they think it does. Yeah. That could be. Yeah. Something to play with. I don't know. Mm-hmm. What I do enjoy yeah. is that um, we've spoken. To, because of Matchmaker, really, we've spoken to quite a few scientists yeah. now, and uh, every single time, scepticism of some sort comes up. Conspiracy yeah. theories come up. Just because scientists are the only times that we really get to properly laugh at and debunk conspiracy mm-hmm. theories. So I really appreciate having scientists on. That's a, a, a very big thing for me. Well, again, the same way that An- Antonio was saying that um, there's a big war in the science community, basically between like them and like uh, let's call it the crazies. <laughs> basically, it, it seems like it's a, it's a constant thing that comes up. It's it's really annoying. Mm-hmm. But yeah, cool. Uh, so yeah, do you have anything? I else have we'll get? A, one more question before we get into Facebook questions. This is a silly question. Uh, I don't expect you to take it too seriously, but I'm going to ask just because you never know. Uh, last year yeah. was a bit insane. Was there anything out of the ordinary for weather? Uh, in regards to last year, yeah, um, I would say there was there was a lot. Um, I know a recent study came out from NOAA claiming that last year was, uh, I believe, the second it was either the second or was tied uh for the hottest year on record for the planet um and we had a lot of big weather events um last year especially the atlantic uh, the atlantic hurricane season was pretty much off the hook uh record number of storms uh within the atlantic hurricane season uh several big storms that hit the united states uh we had hurricane laura which was a category four hurricane that slammed into lake charles louisiana uh we had an Easter day uh, on Easter. We had a pretty significant tornado outbreak in the south. Um, took several lives, um, unfortunately, but um, big tornado outbreak in the south. Um, we uh, we had Hurricane Sally. Uh, that slammed into Florida, Pensacola, Florida, uh, to be exact. Uh, so definitely um, some big stuff, not to mention uh, the crazy wildfires out west. Uh Several big fires in California, several big fires in Washington and Oregon. Uh, it actually turned the sky here orange uh, 
in San Francisco, we, we woke up one morning, um, middle of the day at noon, and the sky was dark and the entire ground was orange. Um, so it, it definitely it was something surreal. And now those fires, uh, I shouldn't say the fires are coming back, but uh, definitely those the kind of remnants there of those fires are coming back with this incoming storm system because uh, what we're worried about with this, uh, and there's evacuation warnings already posted uh, for those communities, is that there's going to be what's called debris flows. And that's when the ground is so unstable due to all the uh, burning uh, with that fire that it just kind of slips and slides and all that rain comes off and it creates this big, excuse me, that creates this big like flash flood uh, danger. Um, so that's one of the big things coming up tonight that you probably might hear about uh, in regards to international news um, by tomorrow morning. Um, so definitely we're going to be keeping an eye on that. I'll be out in the middle of that and um, I'll be certainly keeping an eye on that uh, late tonight. So do things like wildfires and that impact on changing weather? Does it change like so before the wildfires, you could assume this specific thing is going to happen on Tuesday and then the wildfires happen and that changes. Is it as, is it as impactful as that? I mean, yeah, sort of. So the wildfires that we had here in California, uh, they occurred in late summer. Uh, so they occurred around July, August, September. Um and then now here we are in January and the burn scars of those wildfires uh, are beginning to kind of show themselves again in regards to rain. Um, and with the amount of wildfires that California has had recently, uh, it definitely is a little bit concerning. Um, a recent uh, report came out yesterday uh, in regards to uh, Lake Tahoe, which is a pretty uh, significant lake here uh, in, the, in the United States. Uh, big snowfall maker and snow is really the source of the water within Lake Tahoe. Um, it's kind of like a cooler, moderate climate. Um, so usually during the summer months, Lake Tahoe is probably on average about 75 degrees um, Fahrenheit. And then now with um, they're projecting by 2100 um, that Lake Tahoe average temperature during the summer is actually going to be 85 so it's going to go up about 10 degrees um over the span of the next 80 or so years oh. i lied slightly i have one more, one question. more question do go you happen to know of a man a canadian man named frankie mcdonald uh, i do not he oh is... wait i do okay yes i do okay now, the, na- the name clicked. Yeah. He is my favourite weatherman in the world. He is... J- I'm just explaining this to Stephen, because Stephen yeah, looks I'm very confused. Yeah, right now, yeah. yeah. Uh, Frankie McDonald is an autistic Canadian man who... He doesn't have a degree in meteorology, mm-hmm. but he is very... He loves it. Right. So he, he, he constantly watches weather patterns and mm. uh, does his own predictions, and I assume also just watches the weather as well, right. but he does his own amateur weather reporting and he is amazing to watch. He's so, he's so enthusiastic constantly. Uh, I don't know if he knows what he's talking about because I don't know what I'm talking about, but he seems to be very enthusiastic about it and I love it. Right. Mm-hmm. Does, does he know what he's talking about? Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I've seen a few of his videos. Um, right. I, I've, I've seen, I've, I've had a few friends actually send them to me um, through like Instagram and through Twitter. I've seen a few of them. Um, I would say he he does know what he's talking about um, in regards to probably uh, more of the scientific uh, part of it. I would say he's definitely getting there, if not already there. Um, yeah. But I would say he definitely, he, I would say he knows what he's talking about. Yeah, awesome. awesome. I'm so happy about that because he, he puts so much work in. He puts so much work in it. I don't know if he's predicting things himself mm. based on data that's available, but oh, he's brilliant. <clears throat> I'll send you a link. There's a question. He is amazing. Uh, is there a place you can go to get like accurate findings and stuff like things that you guys are putting out, like for the like from your community, rather than just sort of checking the weather on Google? 
Yeah. Um, so there, there's several good websites out there um, that kind of, they begin to, it shows kind of that beginner stuff that you see on your phone. Yeah. And then if you want to get more into sort of the advanced stuff, uh, you're able to do that. So one of those good websites is uh, the Weather Channel. Um, they're, they're pretty good on that. Um, but if you want to just like solely do more kind of advanced stuff, I would recommend um, a site called Weatherbell. Um, which is uh, made here in the United States. Um, it has all the different kind of forecast models from around the globe. Uh, it has the European model. It has uh, the United Kingdom's model. Um, it has the United States model. And it has all, all those models, uh, those worldwide international models combined. Um, so you're able to really compare and contrast, okay, what is uh, the Japanese model going to say for this incoming storm what's the united states model going to say what's the, the uk model going to say uh so you're able really to check all of that um within one single place mm. oh that's awesome that's awesome hey, okay right questions uh from, from the audience the audience hey, you, start with yours. Yeah. you have right. pretty like long in-depth questions i've got really short yeah i've got ones. very nerdy friends <laughs> i've got a couple of science teachers and things so yeah, my, my ones are a bit long-winded. Okay. Um, there's a couple that are kind of similar, so I'll just start with this one. This one has been sort of amalgamated into two different sections of the same question. Uh, one is, can weather be controlled? And the second part of that is, if it can be controlled, how do we make snow? Because a friend of mine wants snow. Yeah, um, that, that's, a, that's a fantastic question. Um, there was a report that came out, I believe it was just a few weeks ago, like two weeks ago or so, um, that claimed that the Chinese government, China, uh, is working on controlling the weather and is going to have it nailed down by 2025. Um, now... The skepticism of that report is very high uh, okay, because we, we all kind of know um, different little things that countries do in order to kind of flex and go, well, look at us. Um, I, I think I would say that there will be a time uh, when we can control the weather. I do believe that that is going to um, occur. Uh, however, in my own personal belief, I don't believe that we should uh, because okay. there's certain things that we need Mother Nature to do and we need Mother Nature to do herself. And when you start messing with Mother Nature, that's when stuff really starts going downhill. That is a good point. However, we spoke to a virologist yesterday who was talking about mm -hmm. uh, man-made viruses being used let me try and get this let me try and get this correctly because again I'm not a virologist so I'm probably going to mess this up he was talking about using man-made viruses to fight against a antibiotic resistant bugs and algae and stuff like that would it mm -hmm. then be possible to if we were able to control the weather to use that to combat climate change. In regards to the basically man-made weather, I would say uh, in regards to climate change and man-made weather, um, it would be very challenging to reverse the course of what is currently um, ongoing. Um, it's, it would take years, probably decades, maybe even, maybe even centuries uh, to do that. Um, and not to mention the fact of um, there's just, it would be basically what, what in regards to the whole climate change thing, it's basically the heat is just staying inside of the atmosphere. Um, that's kind of the argument in regards to climate change. Um, so I would say 
that probably it would be very, very tough to do so um, in regards to that. Okay. And uh, just so people know that was from a uh, John Park and Gary Bernard. Cool. Is it all meteorology stuff? Yeah. No. Do you want me to just go through all the meteorology? Well, I was going to say, if you go through yours first, I'll, I'll get mine done, and then we'll start on astronomy. Okay. Uh, so there, there's two that, again, are kind of similar. Uh, are the extreme weather conditions we are seeing now a new phenomenon, or have we always had these periods of extreme weather throughout the ages? And uh, that was sort of mixed in with uh, other people who think that the Earth go through phases of extreme weathers, uh, but the general consensus is it's climate change that making issues. What is the truth? So they're kind of the same question, mm-hmm. but worded differently. Uh, that's a great question. Uh, in regards to extreme weather events, I would say that we've kind of always had um, extreme weather events. Um, we've we and we've able to kind of over the years, especially over the past 100 years, been able to really predict uh, when those are coming, uh, predict what's kind of happening in regards to that, um, and been able to really predict, okay, this is going to go this way, and this is going to go that way, and so on and so forth. Um, but in regards to um, basically the more kind of extreme events that we're seeing, what we're seeing right now is those extreme weather events are beginning to rip, uh, ramp up in regards to quantity. So, for example, we might see a major hurricane come through the Gulf of Mexico, um, and that would happen maybe once every 15 years. But now we're seeing it maybe once every five years. Uh, so we're beginning to really see these things begin to ramp up in quantity uh, rather than um, how extreme they are. Okay. And a, a final, kind of final question about uh, the meteorology mm-hmm. stuff, but this kind of fits into both astronomy and weather. There's a very happy uh-huh. one from Dave Echo says, will the universe collapse or slow to a heat death? <laughs> <clears throat> very happy, man. That, that, that's, a, that's a great question. Um, so in regards to that... Um, there's a lot of science out there that suggests that what's going to end up happening uh, in regards to the planet itself, um, that we're just going to basically begin to really heat up, uh, become a lot like Venus. So on Venus, you have temperatures and highs that are about 830 degrees Fahrenheit. Um, and that will happen. That will occur as the sun begins to kind of expand um, its width and its length. Um, so in about 4 billion years, I want to say, um, we'll see the sun eat up Mercury, Venus, and Earth. Um, so that is how we are likely to go out. Um, not we as humans, but we as the planet. Uh, we'll end up going out through um, the sun kind of eating us up. But humans will be long gone by then, is what you seem to be implying. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Right. Yeah. yeah. How fun. Such a happy podcast. It's, it's great to talk to these things. It's always good. <laughs> I, I forgot to mention that uh, the questions I asked earlier were uh, from Anna Sullivan and Leslie McEwen. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Love that. Uh, we'll have a question here from Louise Morris. Uh, how does a cloud fill up with water? That's a great question. And that's a great question. Um, so that is the process of um, what we call evaporation. So what ends up happening is you have um, water, so they have like an ocean, um, and as the sun heats it up, that water becomes what's called a vapor. That's where we get the term water vapor. Um, and it turns into more of like a gas. And as it rises up, that gas condenses um, and that's what forms a cloud. Uh, so basically what a cloud is, is it's just basically condensed water. Um, it's, 
it's basically condensed water that has turned from a vapor to sort of like a gas. Um, and as it heads over, sometimes that, that water becomes too much to hold, it becomes too much weight, and it begins to fall. And that's how we get precipitation, such as snow or rain. Ah. I love these. I, I keep... <laughs> now I'm just thinking of clouds, and I'm like, oh, the white ones are all nice and fluffy. And then it gets dark. <laughs> I'm like, oh, that must be all the one. Oh, that's cool. Yep. Now I know shit. I'm essentially a weatherman. Therefore. Can you, can you drown in a cloud? Say that again. <laughs> can you oh. can you drown in a cloud since it's full of water? Oh, that that's a good question. I kind of always wanted to do that, and when I began kind of studying meteorology, I was like, you know what? I'm going to do that. I'm totally going to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, unfortunately, uh, that would not be physically possible. I I kind of learned that the hard way when I was doing research and. Um, I found out that you, you can't do that. It, it crushed my childhood. Yeah. Dumb. <laughs> and just to double check, there's nobody up there, right? No, there's nobody yeah. Uh, yeah. up in the cloud. No. no. Okay. Perfect, perfect. Um, <laughs> uh, what makes raindrops tear-shaped? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, so... As basically, uh, as I was saying about the clouds and the weight, as that raindrop falls towards the surface of the planet, uh, it's getting like kind of like a an updraft per se. So the wind is pressing up against it, and um, you have the middle, which is kind of the core of the raindrop. So the wind kind of goes kind of triangular per se, and that's how it forms kind of that that shape. Mm-hmm. What what I love about uh, about these is that uh, my friend Louise wrote a bunch of these questions, and it seems like she's just mm-hmm. been sitting in her house and heard that you were coming on, and <laughs> she's just wrote a bunch of like the, these are the, these are stoner yeah. questions. Absolutely, the, that's, that's what that is. That's stoner questions right there. So uh, like astronomy next, man. Also, I'll be on astronomy next. Okay, well because. Because we sort of split up the questions into two, mm-hmm. some of these are going to be the same people, obviously. So oh. uh, this is from Leslie McEwen again. Uh, why do you see the image you are viewing upside down in a, in a telescope? They write it in cameras. Why not telescopes? That's that's a great, great question. Um, so telescopes kind of have this thing, um, and it's called uh, refraction. And um, it's kind of like, uh, how can I? They have uh, a refractors and reflectors, um, and that kind of also goes in regards to cameras. They also have that as well. Um, so it kind of inverts the image that you're seeing. Uh, so basically it comes through the lens, that main big circular part of the telescope, it comes through that, hits kind of like a mirror on the back of it and then shoots it upwards towards the, the eyepiece of the telescope. Um, so that's why um, they end up producing an image that's upside down, uh, mainly because that's the way that the lenses and the mirror kind of works. Um, so for example, if you stand in here and you uh, raise up like your right hand, sometimes it's your left. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that was a thing. I, so, I, the last time I viewed viewed a telescope, and it would have been, been a really, really cheap one from Argos yeah. uh, many, many years ago. God, I think it would have been like nine, yeah, ten, something like that, like real young. Yeah, kid, yeah. Mm. So I, I thought Dave was the only science teacher on my Facebook, but I got a feeling that Leslie is one as well, because some of the questions she's been asking... Are uh, pretty good mm-hmm. for the past few days. Or she's maybe stoned, no? <laughs> she might be stoned. <laughs> you never know. Uh, this one, this one's um, annoying. Uh, this one's from Arn. What do they think of the notion that the word planet is actually not a very useful descriptor because the uh, terrestrial planets are so different <laughs> from their gaseous cousins? Especially considering that planet means wandering star, 
so we're already off on the wrong foot with describing celestial objects. Or in brief, should we start broadening the classifications we have for large objects in the universe in the same way we've broadened our understanding of tiny objects? That's a great question. Um, Less enthusiastic about that one. I heard. Um, in regards to kind of exploring uh, celestial bodies, including stars and planets, um, I would have to say uh, that's kind of a, a big kind of thing, once again, within the science community, because a lot of people want to explore further out. A lot of people want to explore half our solar system right now and move on to what's called exoplanets. They want to move on to other stars and see if there's life out there, any other life out there. Um, so, uh, meanwhile, there's a bunch of other people that want to explore our solar system first and really get all the answers to the questions that we have about our solar system answered before moving our, our, our view out to um, expand beyond the solar system. Um, so, in regards to that, uh, there's a lot of people that are continuing to do studies uh, I know NASA is now uh, about to land a rover on Mars again uh, in just about two weeks. Um, and then NASA is also continuing their exploration of Jupiter and its moons, uh, one of which actually might be uh, habitable for humans and not even humans, but current micro, uh, micro uh, life, uh, so biological life. Um, so... There's a lot of kind of exploration uh, about the solar system that people are looking at. But uh, once again, we're also continuing to focus uh, on beyond the solar system and exoplanets and to see if there is life possibly like us or even more intelligent uh, than us out there. Well, that, that was the next question. What's the possibilities of life beyond the solar system? That's what I'll do with it. <laughs> I want to speak to the park. I would... I would say very, very high, uh, very, very likely. Um, I would say there's possibly even the possibility of life within our own solar system uh, with Jupiter's moon Enceladus. Uh, they're saying that there actually might be um, life on Venus. Um, however, the life that a lot of people refer to is more kind of intelligent life rather than yeah, uh, yeah. microbiological life. Um, there, there's, evi there's evidence of that that's coming out, obviously. Uh, we've heard of uh, Israel's uh, former space chief who's come out and said, hey, the aliens are actually here on the planet um, and they just don't want to meet anyone. Mm. Um, nice. There's a lot of weird stuff that's coming out. Right now, uh, we see the United States uh, military that has uh, filmed like an unidentified flying object, um, and they're currently investigating that unidentified flying object, uh, otherwise known as UFO. Um, but I would say that the, the likelihood of life outside of our own solar system is extremely high. Yeah. So to, to sort of go into that, I was asked to go to ask about your thoughts on the Fermi paradox, which says that there's not a lot of evidence to suggest there's life, intelligent life outside our solar system, but yet most people place a high probability on it existing. Yeah, um, I would I would probably kind of agree with that. I would say what you're what we would likely find in our own solar system is evidence of uh, microbiologic uh, life, which is kind of, for example, uh, bacteria uh, would be a form of micro life. Um, so uh, I think there's likely evidence of that on um, Enceladus, and we'll be studying that very soon, probably within the next 10 years, um, if not sooner. Um, we'll be studying whether or not there's life there. Evidence came out of the possibility of life on Venus. Um, I know that there's not too much study going into that because of the way that the atmospheric conditions are on Venus. Uh, but the biggest thing uh, 
that a lot of people um, kind of contribute to life within our solar system is life on Mars. Um, and they're, they're definitely looking into that. They have found evidence uh, of ancient liquid water uh, on Mars, kind of like uh, our oceans. Um, however, at the moment, uh, they're still kind of investigating whether or not that could have had um, intelligent forms uh, of life um, within our own source. Okay, so, so that could have been like a, a microbe-based uh, water system sort of thing. Yeah, 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 I would say so. Less like huge whales and shit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Huge whales and shit. Huge whales and shit. That's that's. Talk to a scientist, Stephen. Hey, take it seriously. <laughs> it's quite. It's... Uh, Sorry, on you go. Little, uh, little. Yeah, little funny fact for you uh, guys. If we ever find uh, life on Jupiter's moons, Europa, you have to you have to name the life. Um, so they would actually be called European. Boom. Because it's. Europa, they'd have to be called European. Perfect. Perfect. We're taking it. I have a silly question, which has nothing to do with the Facebook questions, but I just thought it. Okay. And I like silly questions. It's quite well known yeah. for Neil deGrasse Tyson to be a bit of a dick and ruin films and TV shows and things. <laughs> he loves it. Yeah. <laughs> have you seen much about uh, astronomy or meteorology? And TV shows or films that you're just like, oh, that's nonsense. Like, did you watch Twister and like love that film or, or Big Bang Theory and hate Raj? There, there's been a few shows uh, that I've watched with my family where um, there, there's a one movie out here. It's pretty popular in the United States. It's called The Day After Tomorrow uh, yeah, with yeah. Jake Gyllenhaal. Um, and there's been that movie is like one of my favorite movies that I like because of just the weather and the, the chaos of the storm and um, all that. But however, I look at it and I'm just like, I, I'm one of those, my mom calls me a Debbie Downer when I watch movies because <laughs> I'm one of those people that's just like, nope, that's not going to happen. Yeah, nope, I love that nope, stuff. Nope, you're doing it wrong. And just be, because whenever I see something that is like, scientific in regards to my field meteorology and astronomy i'm just like that that's impossible and she's just like it's a movie just shut up please yeah, just yeah. shut up no I, th- I think they're i think they're wrong i'd would, I would love that but that's the thing because equally if you see something that you you really enjoy and you find really great mm. they'll probably equally still tell you to shut up as well because you're yeah. like annoying them mm. during the film yeah yeah it's amazing yeah i love it though <laughs> Okay, so I have a question here from uh, Louise Morris again. I felt like I was going to like yeah. create names for her as we went through, but I'm not going to bother doing that. Um, how far away is the closest star? Ooh, okay, that's a good that's a good question. Um, so, in regard to light years, um, the closest star to us uh, is actually only four point three light years away. It's called Alpha Centauri. Um, and it's only 4.3 light years away. Now, a lot of people look at that and they go, 4.3 light years, why don't we just go to it? Yeah, that's not, not, that, not that easy. Um, mainly because it would take millions of years um, just to get to um, Alpha Centauri. Um, but it, it's seen from, um, from the Southern Hemisphere and the thing about Alpha Centauri is it has um, basically two uh, stars. Um, it's A Centauri um, and uh, Centauri A, um, which is a little confusing to a, uh, a few people. And then there's also Centauri B. So actually, it's kind of like a triple star system. So there's three stars within this one system instead of like our sun, where it's just one star. Mm-hmm. Um so far, there has been, uh, kind of referring back to the uh, possibility of life, there has been a planet discovered within that star system called Proxima B, um, and it is Earth-sized, and it is within the habitable zone um, for life. So there's a possibility 
there could be something there. Some wheels and shit. <laughs> Possibly. <laughs> hey, you, you, you honestly never know. You right. honestly never know. Sorry. Right, this is a total basic question that I should know. What is the difference between a planet and a star? Good question. Um, I thought that was a dumb question. Yeah. <sighs> hey, the, no question is, is a dumb question. Listen, I, I, said that, I said this um, earlier on because so, uh, I was checking my Facebook earlier on and it kept saying someone is typing a comment. So I put up, I says, listen, if anybody thinks there's such a thing as a stupid question, I took the time on my platform to ask a virologist yesterday if COVID could help stop smoking. So there's definitely no such thing as a, a silly question. I do them everywhere. Yeah, I know, but I, asking the difference between a planet and a star, I feel and like I've, it's... I've said whales and shit twice on this I podcast, feel like so. that's something that you're taught at school, at primary school, <laughs> and I should know it, but I, I have no idea. I, I mean, like I said, it, it's, it's definitely a good question. It's a question that I actually get... Um, a lot. So the difference between a planet and a star. So uh, a planet uh, must do, in regards to NASA's definition, a planet must do three things. Um, and this is the reason why Pluto uh, is no longer a planet, according to the International Astronomical Union, is because it must orbit a star. Um, it must be big enough uh, to have the gravitational force um, for like a spherical shape. But also must be big enough that its own gravity uh, within the planet has cleared away any objects of a smaller size near its orbit. Uh, so this is a bit of an outdated definition for planet because if you look at the examples here, for example, we have Earth. Okay, Earth has a bunch of space junk that orbits around it um, that we've launched that is smaller than the own planet. However, it can't clear that away. So technically, it's Earth a planet huh. um, hmm. under this definition. So there's a lot of kind of argument with this definition. There's actually been a proposal to um, have any celestial body within the solar system become a planet. That would include our own moon um, would become a planet. However, this has been largely kind of shunned against uh, in the astronomical um, kind of industry. Uh, but in regards to a star, a star kind of burns its own energy. It burns its own heat through uh, nuclear kind of um, forces. So you couldn't land on a star, like presuming you could reach one. Yeah, it, it'd be it'd be super super hot. Okay. Um, but yeah, you could. Huh. Okay. <laughs> Again, <laughs> every question that I say, I, I feel just, like I'm... I honestly just I assume for years that you just couldn't could not land on a star at all. I think it means yeah. that you means um, that you die. <clears throat> yeah. Oh no! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very yeah. much. <laughs> yeah. I'm getting myself confused here. <laughs> um, so uh, basically, the, the next question I had was: uh, How do stars die? That's a, that's a great question. <laughs> you, that and that could it depends what you do, but um, in regards to how stars die, they die um, in many different um, ways. Some go out with like um, a big kind of bang, which would be a supernova. Um, so, for example, the star would collapse and the outer layers of that star would explode as what would be known as a supernova. But um, stars die mainly because they exhaust their nuclear fuel. So they exhaust um, the fuel left to keep going, and therefore uh, they end up dying. Right. So can we land on them? Did I again? Can we, can we land on the dead stars? Unfortunately, we could not land on any dead stars. Still too hot. <laughs> Damn. Damn. Uh, I have, I'll just keep going for these. Um, so um, she, she asked them how many galaxies are there. So I changed that because you're always, obviously, like always, kind of finding new stuff as it goes along. So I changed it to uh, how many galaxies have we discovered so far? Ooh, okay. 
that that a rough guess. Oh, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna assume you don't know the exact number, but like a rough estimate, I would. Um, in regards to um, the galaxy, um, in regards to kind of how many galaxies there are, mm-hmm. uh, there is actually an estimate. Uh, an, I keep saying that there is an estimated amount um, for how many there are at the moment. Uh, some galaxies at the moment is projected to be as old as 13.2 billion years old. Um, but the observable universe, which we know um, and we kind of can see, uh, has an estimated amount to contain anywhere between 200 billion and 2 trillion galaxies. Oh, quite a few. <laughs> <laughs> you tried to Google that to, make, to see if I you I tried to run. Google it and my internet, like, the, yeah, my machine messed up. Uh, yeah, I basically said that. That's the reason. Um, why, <laughs> why is there stuff if we are made of matter? I didn't get that question. Can you, can um, you please repeat that question? Yeah, uh, why is there stuff if we are made of matter? Yeah, um, that's a good question. Um, so basically... Um, there's kind of this thing, uh, Carl Sagan, who is a pretty famous within the um, astronomy injury, uh, industry, said we're made of uh, star stuff. Uh, basically, what his statement sums up is the fact that us humans are made of carbon, nitrogen, and oxygen. Um, so we're made of basically, um, we were created in the previous generations of stars over 4.5 billion years ago so that's kind of what he said he's referring to is the fact that uh we're made of practically um all all sorts of different um all sorts of different elements that stars are made of mm-hmm. awesome i didn't awesome. understand that question I, I i seen the question and i was like he might understand and totally did <laughs> perfect yeah, that's the last one i had there so just before we sort of leave you to do your dangerous storm reporting. <laughs> uh, in the UK, it tends to be that at schools, you get to choose one of three sciences, chemistry, biology, or um, physics. If you wanted to become a meteorologist, mm-hmm. which one would you choose? Chemistry, biology, or physics. Um Probably right off the bat, I'm sorry to all my fellow fellow uh, biologists out there, but I'm probably going to have to kick out biology. Mm-hmm. Um, in so basically now it's kind of left down to chemistry and um, physics. I would probably have to choose physics um, because physics kind of determines a whole bunch of different um, weather stuff uh, in regards to updraft, downdraft, microbursts. Uh, high and low pressure systems and how they spin. Um, so I would probably have to choose physics. Okay. Yeah. It's just that in, in the UK, it's kind of limited. You're very, very limited on the science you get to learn. And so people that want to go into different fields might not know where to start. Because yeah. sometimes it's not always oh, as, wow. as, uh, as clear. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. There you go. Well... Um, thank you very much for coming on. That's been much appreciated. Um, do you have anything you want to shout out, like uh, like anything you want to promote or anything like that before we go? Uh, yeah, so thank you guys so much for, for having me. Um, but in regards to, you can find me um, on Twitter at A-M-A-F-E-I-W-X. M-A-F-E-I-W-X. Uh, that's my Twitter handle. Uh, you can also find me on my Facebook page, Antonio's Weather Info. Um, that's A-N-T-O-N-I-O weather and then info I-N-F-O you can find me there Uh, all my links are there so um, if you'd like to kind of follow me on my journey um, you can follow me there could you quickly say before you go which uh, weather channel you said you'd be on tonight yeah so I'll be on my own Antonio's weather info Um, so once again A-N-T-O-N-I-O um, weather and then info I-N-F-O um, and that is on Facebook so that's on my Facebook page okay.